This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelor, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Before we dive into this episode, you will notice that there are a couple of bleeps over any discussion about specific numbers surrounding weight. And the reason that I do this is because I think whenever we hear, you know, height and weight as women, it's really natural for us to compare ourselves to that. And I want to make sure that this episode isn't triggering to anybody. So that's why those bleeps are there. Also, there is a story about bulimia in this episode. So if you're somebody who is triggered by that, I'd recommend turning this episode off and switching on to one of the many others that we have. It's so important to me that we keep this a safe space for everybody. Without further ado, let's carry on. Ooh, we have a good, good, I mean, they're all good, but this one's like, this one's juicy. This is... An episode that I never planned on doing, but I was out in Whistler one day and you know, those like, I don't know, this sounds so weird, but divine interventions, (laughs) like those moments when you just meet someone who you were meant to meet. Today's guest is one of those individuals. Her name is Ebony Finley. She is a former model. She modeled from the young age of 12 until she was about 26. And Ebony and I started chatting away very randomly. I found out so much about the behind the scenes of the modeling industry. Now, of course, everybody's experience in this industry is different, but I was shocked by what I was hearing from Ebony. And I wanted her to be able to share her story with all of you so that when we see the images that we see in media, when we see these careers that are so often glamorized, we are viewing them from a much more realistic perspective of what actually goes on behind the scenes. Ebony, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So you are over in Montreal. I should add that Ebony has created this incredible web series called Nomad Generation, which aims to democratize travel as a way of living. And this is an amazing series. It's all in French. So I've seen glimpses of it, but couldn't really understand the whole thing. But I just love (laughs) what you're doing and creating. Thank you. I'm very happy to have a voice. And rather than being just an image, like in the modeling industry, I can use my voice to proclaim a message that I believe in out into the world, which is traveling is the school of life. And we only have one life, so we have to take advantage of it. I love that message so much. So, okay, let's dive into the modeling industry, because this is an industry that has always fascinated me. And when I was a little girl at a very young age, I mean, probably 12, 13, when you started modeling, I started getting 17 and YM magazines. And I just thought these girls have it all. They are so beautiful. They have the nicest clothes. They're living the best lifestyles. I wanted it so badly. And this is you know, now it's just, I feel like blown up next level with social media. 
these images of perfection that we see all over the place. So how did you get into modeling at 12 years old? So as any other little girl, I would go in my mom's closet and just, you know, take her high heels and her makeup and her dresses and play dress up and like act as if I was the next Miss Hawaiian beauty. And there you <laughs> have it. My mom was like, well, would you like to do, you know, Miss Hawaiian Tropics contest? And they were super popular in Quebec back then. And I was like, yeah, I would love that. So I actually started with contests and then I got recruited by an agency. And then the next thing you know, I was a working model by the age of like, well, from 12 to 16, I was mostly doing contests. Like I placed second for Miss Teen Quebec, stuff like that. But by 16, I was a working model selling 40-year-old woman anti-wrinkle creams and anti-cellulite cream and <laughs> and wedding gowns and yeah it's only now that I'm older that I actually realize because what you say is true like we glamorize and fantasize this this lifestyle but it comes with a price and it's really not as glamorous or as easy as one would think. I want to dive into the actual lifestyle surrounding it, but can we just go back to the fact that you were selling and doing modeling at 16 for anti-aging creams and cellulite creams? Is that what you said? Yep. Between the age of 16 and 24, I've done multiple contracts. And yeah, some of them used uh, my body parts against four, I mean, anti-cellulite creams, firming creams anti-aging, anti-wrinkle, which obviously I had none of, none, like zero. <laughs> but I mean, I didn't know any better and I thought it was cool. I was getting a paycheck and I was completely oblivious that I was like feeding an industry that one day I would be against. But back then I didn't know any better. Do you think nowadays that still happens or is that more regulated now within the cosmetics industry? I think a lot of people that are in power and that have a voice are using that voice against that. For instance, I think it's Kate Winslet. She just like had a contract signed that she didn't want any of her pictures to be retouched, right? Mm. So yeah, I do think that things are changing, but I would say very, very slowly. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe not 16 years old girl, but maybe like 25 year old girl would be, you know, photoshopped into selling an anti-wrinkle cream. Like that would not surprise me, but I'm not in the industry anymore. So I can't 100% say if yes or no. I just wouldn't be surprised by it. Mm, I have so many questions. I feel like I'm going to dig deeper into this conversation and have further conversations <laughs> to learn more about this because I think it's really important. I can't even, it doesn't even seem like it should be legal for companies to sell a product. It's false advertising in my opinion. I totally agree. So it just it boggles my mind that this is happening. And I think back to when I was 16 and had gone through puberty and like my thighs grew a tiny bit and I was immediately horrified and was like ah this doesn't look right anymore and no wonder no wonder that I felt that way when 
these were the images that I was seeing. So were you primarily modeling in Canada? Were you doing this on the side of school? What was going on? I primarily did Quebec, but unfortunately, when I was a model, I wasn't in. I wasn't considered beautiful. My look was way too ethnic. Right now, if I decided to be a model, I would be full on in and everyone <laughs> would probably want to work with my afro and my natural skin tone but back then it was the complete opposite i was told to straighten my hair all the time not go into the sun by my agency thin and like androgynous i don't know how to say that word yeah androgynous my friend yeah as possible so i wasn't really getting a lot of contracts in montreal so i decided to take my career to toronto for a year that went pretty well. It was a little bit more open and diverse in the modeling industry. And then, like I said, um, South Africa was really like the turning point of my career. And that's where like, I got international bookings and most of uh, most of my contracts because girls like me would work really well over there. Gotcha. But you still like had to be separated from the white people and the Asian people <laughs> in, in the like... Yes. When it wasn't, when you weren't on camera. Yeah. That is shocking. Like that was not that long ago. It wasn't. I mean, I was 23, 24. So that means it's like six, seven years from now. Yeah. And it was specific contract. Like we need a black girl. We need a colored girl. We need a white girl. We need an Asian. It was very like separated and clear, like what you were and what you could cast for and not. I still think that happens, though, even in North America. Like, you can see in ads when you're like, okay, that's the black girl, that's the Asian girl, that's the red-haired girl. And all these companies, like, it's so much better that we're seeing diverse group of women and that more people are represented. But it's also like, I feel like people are almost still, or companies are almost still filling the buckets, quote-unquote, that they need to. Yeah, I think it's all for marketing. If it wasn't bringing them money, would they still take a black girl and an Asian girl and a redhead and diversity? Not sure. You know, I really honestly think they have to now. So it brings them money. And if they don't, they'll get shamed for not doing it. Yeah. But I mean, last casting I went, I still saw like, looking for ethnic girl with this and that, you know? So it's still, I agree. I think it's still very much divided. It's not just we're looking for a woman to fit this role and we're going to cast yeah. the person yeah. who fits. It's, yeah, it's very intentional still. And I would rather have it the way that it is now than the way that it was in the 90s. But it, there's still so much more room to grow and to improve. Girls, in case you missed it, I'm so excited to announce that we are hosting a virtual girls' night called Girls' Night In, which is going to be full of real, raw conversation with special guests, including the one and only Caitlin Bristow, Sarah Nicole, The Bird's Papaya, Arielle Astoria, Kat and Nat, Mick Zazon, and so many more amazing women. It is all going down live on Wednesday, May 27th at 5 p.m. PST. We'll be having a little happy hour. No topic is off the table, but surviving coronavirus and finding self-love 
set the tone. I don't know about you, but throughout this whole coronavirus thing, there really has been nothing like that real raw conversation with my BFFs to brighten my day. Girls Night In is just that. So if you have been riding the roller coaster that is this global pandemic, if you need to feel a little bit more normal about how you're dealing with everything from the stress to parenting to body image to relationships to the big feelings that you're feeling during this time, if you've watched all of Netflix and you need the ultimate reality TV chick flick, If you are somebody who just needs a freaking girls night out right about now, I want you to click the link in the profile, buy your tickets, $22, and all proceeds are going to the Canadian Mental Health Association. So once again, that is girls night in. Click the link in our show notes to grab your ticket before they're gone. I will see you there. So, okay, so you become a model, and this is what I imagined when I was 16. You become a model, you all of a sudden have a million dollars, you buy your parents a home, (laughs) you buy yourself a home, you date the other models, you buy, like, a yacht, and have all the best clothes. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is definitely what grade 10, 16-year-old Aaron thought. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, Country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B A B B E L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. So let me get the story straight, okay? (laughs) First of all, you don't get paid. Most designers will pay you in floating rather than giving you money. So you are broke AF. 
<laughs> Second of all, <laughs> you have to attend for free so many events and clubs and this and that to get noticed and to know the right people and this and that, that you're actually spending all of your hard earned money just to be seen by the people of the industry to maybe get a contract where they won't end up paying you in money they'll end up paying you in clothes because the competition is so strong anyways that there's like a million other girls that want to get the contract and that are willing to mm. do it for free so why pay you when they can get any girl to do it for free you know what i mean it, it was all about the exposure and the glam but the cash behind is legit non-existent If you're on a yacht, it's just for a picture and it's probably in the middle of November because the lighting is better <laughs> or whatever and you're freezing your ass off. So <laughs> it's and really, then they're photoshopping really not all what the people think. E exactly. So it's really, really not what you think. I mean, yes, you'll get the couple of odd girls that go into a great agency and like, boom, they hit the jackpot, go to New York, make money, this and that. But I mean, they're still living in a model's house, by the way. So with six or seven other girls, it's usually like a ridiculous amount of money, like a thousand dollars a month just for your room shared with other girls. And you're all fighting for castings and you have to go to the gym two times a day every single day and I, i mean it's really really not what people think like it's a lot of hard work and sacrifice and there's some bad things going on behind the scenes for the girls to get the contract that what do you mean when you say bad things well i mean yeah it's gonna be raw I mean, i'm just gonna say it but yeah there have been a couple of instances where i went to a party and let's say this photographer is really really renowned for this agency and when you're capable of getting pictures with him well your book is obviously like gonna get looked at more how do you get free pictures with him get on your knees and crazy so just so people who aren't part of this world know your book is a collection of pictures that you have taken when you're modeling that you would then take to castings so you want to have photos from different photographers in your book to showcase your work and your talent so when you have no money and you're trying to make it these men in these positions have a lot of power and This is a huge, huge problem that obviously a big light has been shone on over the last year with Me Too. And so I'm so glad that that's happening. But I mean, you've even had experiences in this industry that you do not feel comfortable sharing because the stronghold that these people have over you. And you, you, you said personally, you never had to go to these lengths. Is that correct? Thank God. Yeah, I was naturally thin, always was probably always will be so i didn't suffer any eating disorders or you know have to make myself go to extreme length for my body to be able to fit into the modeling industry and as you know i've been raised by really really good parents that had an eye on me so fortunately i never no i would never um use 
my body to gain more attention. So maybe that's why my career didn't go as far as I wanted to. I never used drugs. I would go to the parties, but I would not get noticed on it. Like that's the truth. Honestly, it sucks to say, but I would not get noticed because I wasn't doing coke. I wasn't having sex with anyone. I, you know, I was just going to go. And that's sort of what it took to stand out and yeah. to be seen and be fun and be noticeable. And, and like, are, so all these girls, I'm guessing some of them are probably even underage getting into these parties. Lots of them. Yeah. And what are the rules in regards to actually working as a model? Because I know this is a, a controversial subject that some models are actually um, lobbying for the age of working models to be increased or raised so that you can't be 12 years old. So back then, yeah, I don't know for now once more, but back then I was 16 in the clubs, getting offered drinks, drugs, sex, all the things. When I was in New York at an event, I sat beside this girl who was a model. She was one of the top models in Australia, and she'd been brought over by one of the big agencies to New York. She came by herself. She went from being surrounded by family and friends and her boyfriend to being alone in New York, and she was miserable. She was miserable. She had been to a shoot for a contract. And in the middle of the shoot, they had shut everything down. They emailed her agency and said she was too big for the photos. This girl was tiny. They said that they were not paying her, that it was a disgrace that the agency had sent her. And then the agency said, we will not be sending you out until you lose more weight. This is one of the big agencies and one of the top Australian models. So she said, I don't have any friends here. I've basically spent the last three weeks since this happened trying to eat as little as I can and work out as much as I can. And I feel like I've never been so depressed, but this is what I have to do to succeed. And, you know, my heart went out to her because I think so many girls dream of this, dream of this peak modeling career as being the top, as being like the ultimate way of being valued in our society. So I get why she feels and felt like she needed to do that. But it was just so sad because... When you're on the outside looking in, you're like, what are you doing to yourself? Like, none of this matters. Like, the biggest lesson that I've learned from the modeling industry, I think, and again, this is very personal to me, and maybe, you know, a model would be outraged to listen to, but this is my experience. But for me, I was never good enough. Like, I remember being, I'm 5'9" and I weighed, that is tiny. I was a size zero and being qualified by my agency as a curvy model. What? As like, yeah, maybe you could be a plus size. Like we're not sure what we're gonna do with you yet. What? And right now, yeah, and right now I'm at a and I feel beautiful and sexy and so confident in my skin but back then I was and it still wasn't good enough I remember being told that I should be on a water 
an apple diet because I was too fat and I was costing too much money from the designer to spend tissue on a body as curvy as mine. What? Hold on. When you say tissue, like fabric, like clothing fabric? Fabric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was working closely with one designer in particular. I was doing Montreal Fashion Week on a daily, like a yearly basis. Yes. And so every year he would like, you know, come in and take my measurements and like kind of build a next connection on a couple of like models that he had chose. And yeah, I remember him telling me like, oh, girl, like you're costing me so much fabric you're so curvy like you should lose weight and you should go on an apple and water diet like because you know I'm not going to be able to work with you anymore if this keeps on going on and oh my god you could see my bones (laughs) yeah but I was still not good enough I think the biggest one that ever happened was a fashion show in Toronto and we hadn't eaten all day which was common my gosh the number of photo shoots and fashion show that I've been that we've been there for like seven eight hours and not been fed and not been able to leave the room so that means not eating for seven eight hours which is totally normal for them it's not normal in real life It's not, I know, but I've been there for a couple of hours. I was hungry. Luckily, we were allowed to go in and out. And I, like I said, I'm a natural, like I'm naturally thin. I, yes, I work out. I enjoy and take a lot of pride in my health. But back then, I didn't have to worry that much. And anyways, the closest restaurant was a McDonald's. So I just went and got some McDonald's because I was starving and that was the cheapest and closest option and coming back with like my mcdonald's bag and um one of one of the like fashion show coordinators saw me and came to me and said unless i smell barf breath on you in the next five to ten minutes you're not going on that runway Meaning that like he knew that I had ate McDonald's and that was a disgrace. And if I didn't go in the bathroom and make myself barf, I would not get paid and not be able to walk on the runway. Oh my God. Like, how is this allowed to happen? I honestly don't know. And this is where you feel like you cannot talk about the show. You cannot talk about the person because it could like ruin you. You could feel that you could be sued. And so again, there's so many power structures and this is what so many women feel the exact same way in different circumstances, but it's not right. It just makes me so sad when you say that, like that was the dream for so many girls. You know what I mean? Like that was the dream to be like 20 behind a stage crying because I won't make myself barf and like I refuse to do it. So I will not get paid for like two weeks of repetition and this and that. And like, I will not do the show. And like so many girls dream about that. And I would dream of like a regular life and eating McDonald's, Mm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just going and playing with my friends and like eating chips and chocolate and not 
worrying about it. It's so important that people hear this story. And I will be going back and editing some of the weights and numbers that you mentioned, because I know when I was in my stage of having an eating disorder, I would obsess over what different models weighed, what they like, what size they wore, what jean size they wore, what plastic surgeries they'd had. My mind was so focused on all of this stuff. And I remember going to New York with an agency, you go for these, I can't even remember what they're called, seeings or something. And you basically go to the different modeling agencies and meet with the people who work there and they decide whether or not they'll sign you. And so we went and we were there for like one, two days and we saw probably 10 different places. Everyone said no. The majority of the feedback that I got, and this probably would have been around the same time that you were working too, was you're way too neck girl next door and way too boring. There's not really anything interesting about you. And for me, as somebody who had glamorized this industry and it was a dream for me, this was crushing. Like I did not have a thick skin. I had amazing parents who loved and supported me, but it crushed me. And so I just totally resonate with what you say. Nobody will ever be good enough for the modeling industry. And that's the point. None of us can ever be good enough for what they're looking for because that's how they sell things is by making us feel like we need the product that is on these girls. And that's how this industry works. Totally. That are on these girls that are miserable, suffering, and inaccessible. You know what I mean? If you're 16 and you're selling anti-wrinkle creams and you're photoshopped on top of that, it's crazy to even think that this cream is going to work for you and that that is what is going to make you happy. And now with, with social media and all the influencers that we see who are using filters to sell creams and tanners, and this isn't saying anything against those people. They're trying to earn a living, but we've got to start peeling back the layers and thinking about how everything is working. And I think the first step in creating change is really bringing awareness to the fact that there is a big problem here. There's a big problem here. And it's actually making all of us very insecure and very unhappy in the normal, natural, healthy, beautiful ways that our bodies and, and faces look. So like we got to dive into some some solutions here and some positives. What do you think are some steps that need to happen, not only in the modeling industry, but with women and girls in general to start to create some healthier changes here? Well, I think that, first of all, I agree. The modeling industry age, like starting point should not be 12 or even 16. It should be legal as, I mean, 18 years old. so that. Girls that come into the industry have a little bit more knowledge and are not as naive. When you're 18, you're still young and naive. But I mean, there's a difference between a 19 and a 12 year old. You know what I mean? I think parents should always, always, always be involved with young girls or young boys in the modeling industry. Other than that, like the change, I personally always felt back then that I wish I had a voice. I wish that if I wasn't just 
a skeleton body wearing some clothes and that someone would give me a microphone and give me a voice, I could initiate change. And I feel like the girls that are in the modeling industry now are going through the same things. Maybe it's a little bit better, but they still don't have a voice. I feel like they're still faces and we don't hear about their stories and they're not raw and authentic and real about what's going on. Like, for instance, I am following right now the a Sport Illustrated Instagram account. And I promised myself I would stop following any account that doesn't make me feel good. But for, for some reason, I'm unable to unfollow that one. But it just makes me so angry how the girls are just like having my first shoot, so much fun, yay, la la la. But they're not showing that they were up, let's say, at like five in the morning doing a set of like 300 abs so that, the, you, yeah. know, you know what I mean? So that their stomach would be flat. They haven't ate. The photo shoot is from 5 a.m. until noon. They're not allowed to eat in that time because you're going to be bloated if you do. Like, that's the process that I want to see. That's what I want people to see. That's what I want them to talk about because girls need to hear that. We need to hear that they don't just wake up perfect like that there's a price for being a model and it's honestly it's an expensive one and not everyone would be willing to do it like I think it's honorable for some of the girls and I think there's still some struggles and they need to be talked about but it needs to come from them they need to have a voice do you think that there are any models who have just had the most incredible career modeling who haven't experienced any of this stuff, would only speak very highly of the industry? I'm sure there is. I'm straight off of my head. I'm thinking Coco Rocha seems to have an extremely positive experience, but I don't know her. But she's advocating. She's one of the individuals who's advocating so much for, I feel like, for models and, and better laws. Is she not? I I'm just trying to be positive. Which would make me yeah, think. I am just I I, I personally <laughs> look. If I'm gonna be honest, I personally have never met a model that has been a hundred percent satisfied, happy from her experience, and that's never had to go through issues with sex, weight, drug, alcohol power abuse. I unfortunately haven't met anyone yet. So it's hard for me to answer that question because mm. I don't know of anyone close or far to me that had an amazing experience and that can only speak highly of the industry. Every single model that I know of has had experiences like mine. I would believe it. I'm going to reach out to one of my besties who manages a couple of top models and I'm curious to know whether we can get one of them for an interview to follow up on this because I feel like there's different sides to this industry in the same way that there are different sides to every story but I am just so grateful for you for shining a light on this darker side that people just don't get to hear and 
I think it's so, so important, not only for the people who are glamorizing the modeling industry and wish that they could be part of it in some capacity, but for the women who are feeling less about their body because of the images that they see day in and day out in media. So I just, yeah, I thank you for being courageous enough to speak about this and to share your story. It is really important. And I'm also, I'm also just so glad that you have found your voice in a completely different area. Where can people find you if they want to know more about you or about your incredible project, Nomad Generation? Uh, Nomad Generation is all online. It's through Nomad Junkies page. And I also have the videos on my Instagram. Amazing. We'll make sure that we link through to all of those. That is it for this episode. If you liked it, please take a moment to share it with somebody that you care about. And don't forget to subscribe for free. Hit the subscribe button and all of our episodes will arrive at your phone or in your device without you having to think about it so you don't miss a single one. And last but not least, if you are joining us for Girls Night In, make sure you click the link in your bio to grab your ticket while there's still space. This is going to be an unreal night. I want to see you there live. As I mentioned, we've got Caitlin Bristow, Sarah Landry, Mick Zazon, Ariel Astoria, Quigley, and so many more. You are not going to want to miss out on this incredible night. Grab your girlfriends, join me in your pajamas for a Zoom call. I'll see you there. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.